know, someday I hope I get a chance to live like you're dying. You know, to live like tomorrow's a gift, a gift from God. I was uh, reflecting a little bit. I thought about the first time I had that kind of a near-death experience in my life. I was nine, maybe ten years old at the time. And uh, the experience involved a green Stingray bike, a ramp, and four metal trash cans. <laughs> so if you're not sure where we're going with this, just remember I grew up in a time when Evil Knievel was huge. I mean, he was big. And uh, so, yeah, they, uh, you know, a buddy of mine uh, had just got done jumping two trash cans. And so my mentality was always go big or go home. And so I skipped jumping three, and I went for four. And uh, it was the way I've approached life, uh, always did, kind of all out. And so uh, I was going to take things to the next level, and uh, I started setting up the trash cans, and I was imagining the thrill of victory, and I built the ramp, and uh, I built it a lot higher, and uh, I took a longer run at it. And I decided I'd pop a wheelie for kind of effect. And uh, this is uh, back before helmets and pads, all right? So when I I hit the ramp, I realized I was in trouble. But I was committed. It was the agony of defeat. (laughs) I mean, when I I hit the trash cans, it it was just like an explosion of trash. And I went flying over the handlebars. All the kids come running. I'm laying on the ground. They're like, are you, are you okay? And I just laid there kind of kind of dazed. I was like, what? And they, they're like, look at all the blood. You know, do you think, do you think he's dying? And uh, one, one of my buddies is like, can I have your bike if you don't make it? And uh, I'm like, yeah, he's a true friend. Uh, another one of my friends was Catholic, and he goes, somebody needs to give him the last rites. And I, I don't remember who, but one of them's like, well, I, I've seen it done on TV. I can do it. And uh, so, you know, and I got, I got thinking in that moment, what if I die? Now, my dad, he come running across the street, and he goes, nobody's dying today. And he goes, shake it off. And I'm like, how do you shake a coma off? You know, it's like, ugh. My dad assessed the situation. It was a trip to the ER, nine stitches, a lot of bruises, and, uh, you know, everything was fine after that. It it was one of several dozen trips to the ER, and I know I'm a slow learner, but, uh, you know, it's just how I grew up. I was in my early 20s. My appendix ruptured which if you've been around here long, you've heard me tell this story. I mean, it resulted in cellulitis poisoning, gangrene. And three operations later, I went from 195 pounds down to 115. And I spent almost a year in the hospital. And there was a point that the doctors informed my family that they couldn't keep sustaining life, that I was losing weight faster than they could put the weight on me. And the doctors suggest I get my house in order, you know, say goodbye. Friends, I will tell you, in that moment, everything clarifies. In that moment when you think, I'm dying, it changes everything in your life. 
Now, I look back on that situation, and as difficult as it was, all the years that I spent trying to recover from that, in a real way, it was the greatest gift of all my life. You know, that experience changed everything for me. It gave me a new perspective. It gave me an eternal perspective. And I truly realized how precious life is. And so I started living every day like it's a gift from God, because it is. I, I started embracing things with more passion and more zeal, with greater intentionality. See, someday I hope that you get the chance to live like you're dying. To live like tomorrow's a gift from God because it is a gift from God. And that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. You know, talking about those things in our life that... uh, allows us to live with passion. You know, that's what we've been talking about these last few weeks, right? We're in this series, If. Asking, what if? What if you started living like you're dying? I mean, what if you were to embrace every opportunity, God-given opportunity that comes your way with passion? You know, life ifs right in the center of it l-i-f-e what if life friends is full of possibilities what if what if the apostle paul he cautioned he said these words he says be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise making the most of every what opportunity because the days are evil What if you started making use of every opportunity that comes your way? What if you lived like you're dying? You know, here's the rub, I think. Most people, given the opportunity, try to totally avoid thinking about death and the possibility of death. But here's the thing. No matter how rich you are, how powerful how successful, mortality is a great equalizer in life. Life is fleeting. Time ticks away. Time is your most precious commodity that you have, period. You never get it back. You know, James said this, James 4.14, he says, you don't really know about tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for only a short time before it vanishes. Now, that is a cheery verse right there, isn't it? It grabs your attention, though. James says, pay attention. Life is short. I mean, what if you lived like you're dying? What if you embraced every day as a gift from God? What if you make the use of every opportunity that comes your way? You know, the psalmist writes and says, teach us to use wisely all the time we have. If you grasp that and fully embrace it, it is life-changing. 
you have one and only one life. And the question today is, how are you going to live? How are you going to live in light of that? And I believe most people fall into one of a couple categories. Either they live by the world's values or God's values. And I know as I say that, some of you go, well, they're my values. I mean, you call them whatever you want. The fact that you say my values just means that you've taken ownership of it. You know, Paul, he's writing to the people in Thessalonica. And he says, yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work, meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Paul calls one group of people out for living idle lives, for for wasting time. And then Paul encourages another group of people for making good decisions, for using their, their time in a wise manner. And here's a question. What would people say about your life? People around you. You know, we hear that some of you are making poor decisions, waste, wasting your life. You know, we hear that some of you are making great decisions and using your time wisely. I mean, some of you, you you zeroed in, as soon as you saw that verse, you zeroed in on living idle lives. It just resonated. And you dismissed it immediately, didn't you? You go, I'm anything but idle. I'm going at a full blast. I can hardly breathe. I'm going so fast. And so when we hear idle, we tend to think still, don't we? Doing nothing. But idle, in the Greek, it really carries the idea of busybody. Someone with a lot of go, but no show. Someone who's extremely busy, but they're not busy with things that really matter the most in life. See, do not mistaken busyness for importance. So I'd invite you to assess yourself a little bit. Are you investing your time in what really matters? Are you pursuing values that you would pursue if you knew you only had a couple years to live? You know, Paul, Paul's encouraging. He says, never get tired of doing good. See, Paul saw a danger of growing weary in doing good, growing weary in doing what really matters in life. Here's a question for you. What's God's purpose for your life? Do you know? You don't have to guess at this one. The Bible's really clear. Ephesians 1, uh, verse 4 and 5, it says, long before he laid down the earth's foundation, he had us in mind had settled on us as a focus of his love to be made holy and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And that uh, term, long, 
long ago that God decided. That long, long ago, the Greek, it carries the idea of it was always God's plan. It was God's unchanging purpose to adopt us as his children. We, We were created to be a part of God's family. That's God's design. You know, God made you to have a relationship with him. God made you to to love you and to be loved and returned. And friends, if you do not get this, you miss the whole point of life, period. You're not just here to have fun, make money, retire and die. God wants you to be a part of his family. That's God's design. I mean, that's why what faith fellowship does is so important. That's why it's vital. You know, our our call is to reach people for God. Why? So they'll know their purpose in life. And I know every time I talk uh, about this topic, people go, yeah, but, but isn't everybody in God's family? No. No, they're not. You know, everybody's created by God. Everybody is loved by God, but we only become children of God by our faith in Jesus Christ. God, I believe that you died, that you sent your son to die on the cross to save me. I want to be in the family. You know, Paul, Paul writes this, Ephesians 1.10, he says, and this was his purpose, that when the time is ripe, he will gather us all together from wherever we are, in heaven or on earth, to be with him in Christ, what? Forever. That's God's purpose. It's really kind of a three-step purpose. Get to know him, become part of the family, and spend eternity with him. And I know you've heard the term uh, circle of life, yes? That's a Buddhist concept, by the way. It makes for a fine song on a Disney movie, all right? It is not biblical. Life is not a circle. Never has been. Life is linear. It's moving toward a focus, a purpose, a climax. You know, one day Jesus Christ is coming back and he's going to gather all his followers, everybody that's in the family, He's going to gather them up to be with them forever. Now, you notice how long we're going to spend together? Forever. Forever's forever. Here's, here's the purpose of life. I mean, you, you could take 500 philosophy classes and never get this. The purpose of life is to prepare for eternity. I want you to think about that. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. You were made to last forever. And you will last forever in one of two places, either heaven or hell. When, When you die... Your body dies. But your soul enters into eternity. 
to live forever, either with God or without God, based on your faith in Jesus Christ. See, God has a long-range plan. I mean, a really long-range plan. God, God is more interested in preparing you for eternity than simply making you really happy in the here and now. Don't misunderstand me. God wants you to experience joy in life, to live life to its fullest, but not at the expense of being unprepared for eternity. So how do you prepare for eternity? Well, you get to know God here and now. You connect with God. You know, Scripture says, but to all who believe in him and accept him, he has given the right to become children of God. God wants to establish a relationship with you. But, but you first have to believe and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Then how do you have that relationship at that point? Well, the same way you have any relationship. You spend time with that person, right? To have a relationship? Think, think about this. What, what would you think if I was, we ran into each other and you go, hey, I saw your wife Cindy at uh, Target yesterday and we talked. It was really good talking to her. And I go, oh, how's she doing? I haven't seen her, seen her in months. Yeah, she doing all right? You would be going, what? What are, what are you talking about here? You know, in, in fact, you would begin to, to just think, you gotta be kidding me. What, what is with this guy? See, about, about three seconds into the conversation, you'd be going, that's not much of a relationship. You know, I, I, don't, I don't get what that is. Friends, a relationship with her requires what? It requires me to be with her, to talk, to listen to her. The same thing's true in a relationship with God. You know, the mission of Faith Fellowship, it's to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you need to do that. You need to start building a relationship with with God. You know, spend a few minutes with God every day, each morning, evening, you pick your time. You know, read scripture, read a devotion, talk to God about what's going on in your life. You know, share and and listen and pray and, and connect. When you live your life that way, when you live in relationship with God, when you live with eternity in mind, it changes your life, period. It changes everything. You go, well, what kind of things would it change? Well, first of all, it'll change how you use your time. You know, Paul writes, he says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. See, we keep coming back to this. Make use of every opportunity, every God-given opportunity. Christ followers, you are on this planet. You are to live wisely. 
You're to make the best use of your time and your opportunities that, that come your way. And time is the most precious commodity you have. It, it is more important than money. You can get more money, but you can't get more time. You can't borrow time, you can't save time, you can only use it. We all have the same amount of time this week, don't we? 168 hours. My question is, how are you going to use it? Because if you cannot get a handle on your time, hear this, you will find that you cannot manage anything else in life. This is a big one because your time is your life. And Satan will do whatever he can to get you so busy that you don't have time for the important things. So you don't have time to to spend on things and preparing for eternity. That's his plan. And hear this. He does not have to get you doing bad things. He just needs to get you busy so you miss out. You look back and go, well, what if I'd have done that? You know, Acts, the 20th chapter, it says, Luke writes, he says, but life is worth nothing unless I use it for the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to evaluate yourself. Just be honest with yourself. How much of what you're doing right now is going to count, let's say, five years from now? Ten years from now? In eternity, how much of that do you think is going to count? My point is, use your time wisely. Use it wisely. See, when you live with eternity in your mind, it changes how you use your talents also. You know, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6.20, says, you've been purchased at a great price, the price of his son on the cross. You've been purchased at a great price, so use your body to bring glory to God. You know, I watch people around Faith Fellowship, and they're using their talents. They're using their talents in light of eternity. They're using it to to touch and change people's lives. And it is amazing to me because as I watch people using those skill sets, they're growing. They're growing. They're growing in their faith. They grow in their skill sets, their impact, and they grow in their relationship with God. What are you doing to prepare for eternity in your life? I mean, again, what is it that you're doing that'll, that'll matter five years from now, <laughs> a year from now, 30 days from now? What are you doing that will matter when you're gone? What do you think is going to matter in eternity? See, you begin to think a little bit different there, don't you? Paul says, but then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Wow. That's a tough one right there. 
As followers of Jesus Christ, I want to be really clear here. We do not face a judgment, all right? In other words, you're not going to get to heaven's gate and they're going to try and determine whether you get to come in or not, all right? It's not a heaven or hell situation. But as followers of Jesus Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus, you will give an account of how you lived. If you're not using your talents for God's purposes, I'll tell you something. You will shrink in your faith. Your impact in this world will become very temporal. And in fact, your interests will become very self-centered at some point. And you will go into eternity unprepared for that moment. Prepare. Live life well. Someday you will give an account to the God that created this universe. Think about it. See, living in light of eternity also changes how you use your treasures in this world. Watching the the market this, this week is a little crazy, up and down, up and down. But it's been like that for the last couple of years. And the fact is, I, I think everybody's been trying to figure out, you know, we, where's the future? What's the future hold? You know, the, what's the best place, the safest place to to invest? And so, let me ask, because I think most of us are in that same boat. How many of you in the last couple of years? at any point have lost some money to the market, retirement, you know, investments, yeah. I think about the money I've invested in ministry. And I've been doing it most of my life. And through the years, I've realized how incredible it is. You know, when I look in the eyes of men and women and children, you know, people whose lives have been changed, who've given their lives to Jesus Christ, people that are growing in their faith. I've watched marriages and families that have been strengthened and built up. And I've never thought, hmm, wish I hadn't invested there. Never, ever. Ever. Oh, I go, that's the best money I've ever invested, period. I want you to think about this. Let's just suppose, and I've shared this before, but let's suppose that that Congress did something crazy. Can you go there with me? (laughs) But let's just suppose that they pass a law And sometime next year, the euro is going to replace the U.S. dollar. Now, sometime in the next year, the U.S. dollar will become worthless, all right? You don't know the exact date because they won't tell you because why would you need to know that? But if you knew 
for a fact that sometime in the next year, that shift is going to take place and the dollars will be worthless. When would you convert your money? Well, if you're wise, now. (laughs) Because you don't know. You do it now. So, So that you won't be left with nothing. You know, when that exchange date arrives, you're prepared for it, right? Well, the Bible says exchange date's coming. You you don't know when, but you know you're going to die. I'm going to die. And only a fool would go in this life and just go, eh, not going to worry about it. Only a fool would be unprepared for something that we know is absolutely inevitable. Friends, eternity is coming. You will leave everything in this world. It will all be worthless to you. The only way it counts is if you convert it into eternal economy. How do you do that? Well, you invest in God's kingdom. You invest in people that are going to God's kingdom. You know, First Timothy, Paul writes this. He says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and give happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has, has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasures for themselves in heaven. And it is the only safe investment for eternity. Friends, I look forward to that exchange date. Again, I've been doing this most of my life. You know, using my treasures to make a difference. Using my time to make a difference. And I know it transfers And it's just a simple question. Where are you investing? In this world? I mean, that's fine. But are you investing in eternity? Because really, that's all we're going to have at some point. You, You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Again, you invest in God's kingdom. You invest in people who are going into into heaven so that that you make a difference. You know, it's, it's where we're headed. You know, Jesus said this. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to make friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into the eternal homes. This is kind of an obscure verse. It kind of leaves you going, hmm, what's that about? What's Jesus talking about? Well, Jesus is kind of laying out an investment strategy here, an investment strategy for eternity. And he's saying, you know, when you use your wealth and your time and your your skills, skill sets and your talents, 
when you use those to, to leverage them toward people that are going to heaven, trying to reach them, that when you do that, what you're doing is setting up a, kind of a welcoming party for you. You know, so that when you get to heaven, there are actually going to be people who you may know or you don't know that look, look at you and go, hey, thanks for helping me get here. You didn't even realize it, but because of what you did, because of what you invested, I'm here. My, my spouse is here, my kids, my grandkids, my, my best friend. They're all here. In fact, I want you to meet some of them. That's what Jesus is talking about, that moment in eternity. Friends, what you do now in your life has exponential potential. See, what you do now as you invest yourself may change the life of someone 100 years from now. See, it's eternal investment. And friends, when I consider uh, 100 years on this earth in comparison to thousands, millions, billions, I mean, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling at that point. Spending that kind of time in heaven, when I consider eternity, my perspective changes. That's why I don't apologize when I ask people to leverage, to give, to sacrifice, to serve, to do as much as they can. Why? Exchange day is coming. I don't know when, but I want to be prepared and I want as many, I want to take as many people as we possibly can there. Friends, do not trade your life for temporal stuff. That is a waste. The most important decision you will ever make. I mean, after you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, that's the most important thing. But the next most important whether you're going to focus on this world and only this world or whether you're going to focus on eternity. Two choices. And how you answer that question will determine how you use your time, how you use your talents, and how you use your treasure. And you can come at that backwards if you want. Take a look at how you use your time, your talents and treasures, and it'll tell you whether you're focusing on this world or eternity. It's kind of abrupt sometimes, but that's the reality. I mean, what if we lived with passion? What if we lived full out for God? Friends, could change the world. Really could. Let's bow for a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, we know eternity. It's forever. And God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just whisper those things that we need to shift, to change, to do, to say. God, whatever it is,
use us. God, help us to live passionately for you. Forgive us when we grow weary. God, help us to live with a full-out mentality. Use us to make a difference. Make a difference in people's lives and families. To make a difference in eternity, Lord. We give you the praise. We give you the glory with all we say and do. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. You can just remain seated. Uh, They're going to introduce a new song. Uh, If you want to, if you pick up on the chorus, you will pretty quick. You can jump in and sing with them and uh, let's worship God together.